Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room Podcast on the AP Podcast Network. Appreciate you joining us today. We're recording on this Sunday evening in Kansas City where we already had enough to talk about. We already had all this trade stuff to talk about. And then Tom Brady announces that he's coming back from retirement. So um, this is this podcast is going to be all about just, just some crazy stuff happening in the NFL. The NFL rules, man. You know, you think... You think they've topped the news calendar and then something like this happens. So before we get all into it, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Ron Cobb, Jr., lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. As always with me on the AP Draft Room podcast is Brian Stewart and Talon Graff. Boys, we had a lot to talk about, but golly, Tom Brady is back. We thought we got rid of him. We thought he was done. He's the only quarterback besides Joe Burrow to take down Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, but he just, I guess it only, it only took a month and a half for him to change his mind. Uh, Brian, I don't know what's going through your head right now as we uh, instant react to Tom Brady back in the NFL. What's going through my head is this guy is like Michael Myers from the Halloween movies and he, he will <laughs> not die. He will not go away. No, he, he won't. Even like you said it, Ron, a month and a half. Okay. I would have understood if like training camp came around and he got that itch to play and he came back Brett Favre style, but a month and a half. Are you kidding me, dude? Like there's no (laughs) scenario where Tom Brady retires before he actually starts to play like crap. Even if that's going to be in like 30 years, Um, he clearly loves it too much. And kind of to our chagrin, because I was really hoping he would uh, stay out of the news cycle for a long, long time. Talent, yeah, no, I, I, I actually said it uh, on six ten. I was with Jay Binkley on, uh, you know, previewing the AFC Championship when he officially, you know, retired. Saying, you know, there's no way. I don't know. I just didn't really believe it. I, I didn't really uh, fall for it. Talent, did you actually think Tom Brady was going to retire? I hoped, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, having a he's having a Michael Corleone moment, I guess. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back. Yeah, dude. You know, I mean, the O line. I wonder if some of these guys are going to start coming back. I know they're Marpet or Marpe. I'm not sure how he says his name, honestly, but um, I know yeah. he announced his retirement out of the blue, and they lost some other guys. But we'll see. I know they tagged Godwin and and Mike Evans, and still still around. I'm sure Gronk will come back now and get the band back together. But um, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is at this point. I guess Tom Brady is going to chase the eighth ring. Um, so I don't know. Or is it yeah. seven? He has seven, right? No, he, yeah, he has seven. Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. And yeah, he's going, he's, I don't know. I was kind of thinking maybe he'd come back in the fashion of like, hey, let's go play for the hometown Niners or hey, maybe even 
somehow Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas, they kind of get somehow something together and get him a stacked roster, even though I don't know that that roster is, you know, far from Brady wanting to play with it. I would, I would think, but do you I don't think, know. do you think that was legitimately on the table? And then Arians came out with that. That's bad business type. Of, Brady was yeah, like, yeah, okay. I'll yeah, you're right. Didn't yeah. he say at the combine? He was kind of that was kind of what he was saying at the combine. Like, no, we're not just gonna let him go. Are we are you kidding me? We're not just gonna let him go play for another team. Right. And and maybe that's what he wanted to do. Maybe that's why he retired in the first place. He thought he could get away with that. Um, I don't know, but NFC wise, like, I don't know, Brian, you were kind of saying before we got on, like it's I don't know, it's kind of wide open. The AFC is the stack part right now. Although, hey, the Deshaun Watson news came out, you know, we know he's gonna go on a team soon, but I don't know. The, the NFC is kind of, you know, pretty thinned out, I would say, for the Bucs to kind of go back on a run, especially the NFC South. I mean, the NFC South is is kind of a wasteland right now. Uh, I don't know. The Falcons are pretty good, uh, you know, in terms of they, 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 I feel like they're building something. I like Arthur Smith as a head coach. But the Panthers, you know, they're in they're in on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Uh, and then um, obviously, you know, the Saints are kind of where they're at. Although, you know, apparently the Saints are in on Tyron Matthew. Uh, we'll kind of get into all that. But uh yeah, NFC South, I feel like, is is definitely a division he could win kind of in his sleep um, in terms of Tom Brady with the Bucks. But, man, I don't know. It's just, just crazy. Uh, he, he's, he's back. Yeah. It, Darth, it is, Darth Vader. Darth Vader is back. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. The GOAT apparently is not ready to be put out to pasture. Well, that's not the only news in the NFL this week. Um, we had plenty. I mean, there's tons of stuff going on. Actually, if you listen to the AP Draft Talk podcast, they talked about it too. Shout out Christian. Shout out Rocky. They filled in for me. I was on actually a, a little bit of a road trip, so couldn't get it done. But, you know, they filled in to talk some mock draft and NFL draft in general. But there was plenty of news. And, you know, especially in the AFC West. I actually wrote about it Saturday. But Khalil Mack gets traded from the Bears to the Chargers. Only takes about what a, a second round pick and a sixth round pick, I believe. And it, it wasn't even this year's pick, it was a 2023 second round pick. I mean, that's it's highway robbery a little bit. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Ryan Poles in Chicago helping out a, a you know a, a Chiefs foe. I mean, come on, man, former chief uh, executive. Yeah, I think um, he's and, going a little too far out of his way to prove he's he's cut ties with the Chiefs. I think I think he's a little too strong on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I think. And and then obviously the other one is the Denver trade. Uh, Denver acquires Russell Wilson. You know, they did have to give up quite a bit for him. Uh, you know, you know, they gave up, you know, three pieces. Shelby Harris is a, is a pretty good piece. I don't know. Drew Locke, you know, is thrown in there. Noah Fant, obviously, former first round pick. But then, you know, the, the couple first round picks as well, um, the draft selection. So. But all of a sudden, the AFC West is stacked. I mean, it was before, but I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a, a quarterback grouping this crazy and then also all of a sudden the pass rushing group um with Khalil Mack you know with LA although you know I I want you guys opinion on this because when I and and I think we kind of talked about in the slack chat but when I see Khalil Mack in LA I kind of think of it as when it was Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and when Melvin Ingram was healthy I mean that was a dangerous duo but it's not like it you know made the it was impossible to get over right I mean the Chiefs overcame that a lot but this is where I want to start off here what they did have then was a all-pro right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz, right? And, you know, they have the left tackle secured right now, but the right tackle, not as much. I don't know. I like Lucas Niang. We've seen some really good stuff from him, but you can't ignore the injury he's recovering from right now. Um, you know, they threw an Andrew Wiley there. Does this – I want your guys' opinion. Does this trade, the Kulimak trade, all, along with the possibility of Von Miller, he's kind of hitting that returning um, to Denver with, now that Russell Wilson's there, and also the Raiders signing – 
Max Crosby to a big deal. Does this guy, do you guys kind of get more um, emphasized on the right tackle position this offseason, trying to uh, figure that out a little stronger, a little more than you kind of did before? I don't know. What do you guys think? Brian, I'll start with you. So I, I think it really doesn't change a lot. And the reason why is because, take, for example, Crosby with the Raiders, he pretty much always is rushing off of that side and, and has been. So that's something that they were going to have to deal with no matter what, whether Max there or not. Uh, same thing, well, was the case for Joey Bosa. Now I'm kind of interested to see between him and Mac how they divvy that up. But um, I think really big picture, it's that position is really important, you know, may, maybe equally as important as left tackle just because of the quality of player that they face. And so it's just a it's a need kind of period, you know, and, and maybe a bigger need in their division than others. But um you know, every bit as big of a need as it was maybe a couple weeks ago, too. It's kind of where I'd go with it. But yeah, in terms of like signing a guy right now, like Talon, I want your thoughts too, obviously. Um, but, you know, maybe does it go from like maybe just signing a depth guy to signing actually one of these guys that starts, like a Morgan Moses? Um, I think, uh, you know, Bobby Massey obviously has been hurt, but he's on the, 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 the market as well. Um, you know, Riley Reef, Cincinnati last year, he was a one year deal. Um, Talon, what do you think about the right tackle position? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a little bit more importance on it now. Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, it doesn't push any other position's priorities down. I think I still think you need to focus on defense above all else. Um, yeah, you need to make sure that that you have two guys on each tackle spot that are going to be able to withstand that AFC fresh, you know, for six games. Um, and yeah, obviously, outside of the AFC West, you, you face pass rushers, you know, week in, week out, and you know, there's, there's, there's a few elite out there and we've seen our tackle struggle against them, but um, so it's a little unnerving to see Khalil Mack go to the AFC West and, and play with Bosa. But yeah, I, I think that comp to the, to the healthy and peak Melvin Ingram is, is pretty on point. I think that's uh that's probably pretty similar to what we're going to see from the chargers now out of that pass rush. But um, yeah, in terms of like getting somebody to, to, you know, go out and, you know, get an all pro guy. I, I don't, I don't think it's that level. I think, I think you still need to address it, but yeah, I'm with Brian. I don't think the, the need has increased a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Especially, you know, you can't, you can't sign big time money players to everybody and you've the offensive line right now, you kind of have to think to the future, even if you haven't signed a Creed Humphrey or Trey Smith yet. I mean, those are guys that you're going to have to, you know, sign in the future to, to big money. So, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, not every position can be, you know, um, committed to and invested in as much. Um, but that's not, that's, you know, it makes the AFC West just more fun. I mean, there's going to be every freaking primetime game. It feels like now, I mean, you know, every Monday night, Sunday night, we got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Monday night now. So I'm sure we'll be hearing plenty of them. Um, so I, I want your guys' takes like, who's, who are we feeling good about in the AFC West? Obviously we're chiefs fans. We're, we're going to be picking the chiefs to be number one, but after that slew of news, I don't know, is Denver, kind of threatening the Chargers for that second spot. I feel like the Chargers have had that. Um, I don't know. Brian, what do you think? What kind of what, – what are you kind of feeling like in the AFC West next year? So, I still – the Chiefs are, are the kings until they're not, right? They're, they're the ones on top until somebody knocks them off. Um, Denver, they are, you know, fascinating. But there are so many questions because one thing that was really nice about – what they had in recent years was with Vic Fangio running their defense, they gave the chiefs quite a bit of fits and he kind of seemed to have 
you know, his thumb on the pulse a little bit of, of what the Chiefs have been doing offensively. Well, he's gone now. So does that mean that the defense takes a step back? And if so, how big is it? And, um, you know, their head coach, he's never been a head coach before. They've got too many questions for me to just say, yeah, they're for sure um, a playoff team just yet. I do think the Raiders are destined to take a step back. Nice story last year, overcame a lot. But to me, they're clearly the fourth best team, not just at quarterback, but as a whole. Um, and then we say it every year, but you know, this is the, the year I think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs for the first time in, in Herbert's uh, career. And it's just a matter of can they be the ones to knock the Chiefs off? Um, Khalil Mack, that's not enough. That's not enough to catapult them above Kansas City. If Chiefs make the moves that I think they're going to and get better, um, and the pressure is certainly on now, they've they've added an edge, I think, entering free agency that the Chiefs need to really uh, address. You know, it, it could be very competitive between those two teams, and I think both will make the playoffs, and it would just be really uh, cool to see if Kansas City can keep their foot on their necks, uh, the Chargers, that is, because I think they are coming in hot. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's the most competitive the AFC West has been um, in the Mahomes era, I think, because, I mean, even we talk about the Raiders. I mean, you got to admit, you know, I feel like every year Derek Carr plays, he's probably going to get just that much better, um, even if he does, you know, he's not the greatest at times. He, he's gotten the Chiefs a few times. Town, what are your takes on the rest of the AFC West? I just feel like, I don't know, it's just it's just going to be a toss-up a lot of times. But, uh, you know, we got to have our takes right now, you know, as, as the, the fresh news is happening. Yeah, look, I mean, the Chiefs are still the, the kings of the AFC West, and everybody's still chasing them. That's that's why that's why the Broncos are trading for Wilson. That's why the Chargers are trading for Mac. But <clears throat> exactly, aren't winning right? Like like you got to do that on the field. And if it all gets put on the field, um, I mean, it, we're going to see some classic AFC West showdowns. That's that's what I'm looking looking forward to, man. And um, right now, uh, I think it's a pretty tight race in terms of you know on paper and. Uh, um, the last seven years, I feel like the the Chargers have been the on paper preseason AFC West champion, so they got a crown to defend. Um, but really, I I don't think that anything's going to change on on the field. I think the Chiefs are are going to get better in uh, in this offseason free agency period really starts. I think Veach has has a lot in store that he has you know plans that are going to be put into fruition in terms of free agents and stuff like that. So um, these other teams have made a lot of moves trade wise, but the Chiefs have been silent, and I mean. They, they've, they've had to be there. There's not really anything they've, they've been able to do yet. So um, yeah, I think once this fragrancy period starts, the noise might settle down a little bit on, on these teams creeping up on the chiefs. Cause I think we're going to see some splashy moves. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I know it's kind of funny. It's just, it's just how Twitter works now and how, mo- you know, modern day works where it's like, just cause the moves are happening now, you know, you kind of feel like people might are panicking, not panicking, but you know, almost a little bit where it's like, Oh, what are we doing? The Broncos and Chargers are doing stuff. Free agency hasn't even started yet. So, and we know Brett Veach is going to make some moves and, and we're going to get into all that for sure. One move that he could have made um, that, that Cleveland made instead, apparently uh, is trade for Amari Cooper, um, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. I, I was kind of excited about the prospect of maybe getting him on the chiefs. I feel like he's the, 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 the kind of the top tier version of what you, what the chiefs need a receiver right now um, in terms of who was available, who they could get. But he was traded to the Browns for a fifth-round pick, basically. They swapped six-round picks as well. And I get it. You know, he has the next three years uh, cap hits over $22 million or around $20 million. 
Um, and so you, you kind of get that. He has some injury histories at times. Although at the same time, you know, I feel like he's been hampered, but still plays through it. So I don't know how many games he's missed because of it. Um, but I don't know, Brian, how disappointed are you that the Chiefs didn't maybe take that swing on getting Amari Cooper in here for just a fifth round pick, basically? Yeah, this is where people are going to be a little surprised. I'm not disappointed at all. And it's not yeah. because I don't. I really think he's a great player. He's a one, a number one level wide receiver. You know, his route running is top five, no question. But this conversation for me always has to start with when, when we discuss other receiving options for the Chiefs is are they going to fall in line knowing that the target share starts with Travis Kelsey, goes to Tyree Kill, or maybe it's a tie between those two, and then you fall behind that. I don't think Amari Cooper was that guy. I think Amari Cooper has been a number one receiver everywhere he's been. He was quoted just in January basically saying to the Dallas media, if I got the targets that some guys get, I'd lead the league in in yards. I'd lead the league in catches. Well, you bring him into the Chiefs organization, and he's the number three dude. You know, I, I don't know if that's a recipe for, you know, good situation where he's going to be happy and the offense is going to, you know, stay rolling with good attitudes and things like that. That stuff matters. Um, guys have to understand their role and be okay with it. And I just, I don't think it was a fit that way with uh, Cooper coming to the chiefs. Yeah. It's something that I feel like we, we've, we kind of underrate or don't talk about enough when we're like, Oh, you know, someone's going to, so-and-so is going to want to come play for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reed. Well, yeah, they don't want to also be a third option though. And, and we, I feel like we saw that with Juju Smith-Schuster last year. Although I think he has learned his lesson maybe, and that could be a potential uh, target here this off season. But Talon, when you saw the Amari Cooper news, I don't know. What was your reaction? Did you, were you disappointed at all? Uh, no, I'm with Brian. Not really. Um, I think the idea of it was better than the actual, you know, reality of it would have been. Um, I think it, yeah, everything Brian said, I agree with. I think the the targets, the, the yard, he wants to be the dude. Clearly he wants to be the guy. Um, and there's just no way he would have been that in Kansas city. It would have been fun. Like winning solves a lot of problems. Um, but you know, I, I think eventually that that would have been, you know, I think it would, would have just been what we've seen like two years, maybe, maybe even a year where it's like, all right, well, that, that didn't work out. Let's, let's see if you're work somewhere else. I just, I just think he wants to be the dude and that's not where he fits in with Kansas city. Yeah, no uh, guys want to be alphas and you just cannot be an alpha among this receiving core uh, in Kansas city. I mean, especially with the chemistry that they have with Mahomes, not even just their individual talents. Like you're just not going to be able to be that primary target. It's just chemistry wise or anything. Um, and we know how kind of hard it is to, to get the offense down as a receiver. If you're Andy Reed, you know, in Andy Reed's system, but you know, one thing I want to talk about before we get into our little, uh, you know, the, the fun segment we have toward, you know, the second half of this podcast one thing I did want to talk about is just, you know, we know Tyron is kind of Tyron Matthew, the safety, uh, you know, free agent right now. It does kind of feel like, you know, he's, he's probably not coming back. I don't know. I saw uh, a betting odds that he was minus 120 to sign with the New Orleans Saints. Um, I saw elsewhere, you know, Baltimore Ravens kind of feels like it makes sense, right? I feel like we've seen that kind of rumored, um, you know, just how he tweets. It just doesn't feel like. And we don't know, right? You know, it definitely couldn't happen. It definitely could be where, you know, eventually it kind of gets back to that point. But we were kind of talking before the pod um, about some stuff in terms of we've always kind of said that Spagnolo has always valued the safety position. I've always kind of said that and, and, and that the safety is kind of what makes them able to not maybe invest in cornerback as much um, just because, you know, Tyron can make up for a lot of stuff. And, and some of the stuff they're doing with the three safety looks in the dime defense. 
can make up for like, you know, lack of, of cornerback talent maybe, and maybe, they, and they can kind of get away with maybe not, you know, investing huge money in it. But if there isn't that high safety talent on the team, if they can't get Tyron back and maybe they don't take the big swing at safety and free agency. And, you know, we talked about the talented safety draft class. What if they, you know, what if they do kind of reverse the importance of, uh, you know, who they pay, maybe the cornerback all of a sudden, you know, maybe they kind of reverse course and cornerback is where they spend the money and maybe try to get away with, you know, trusting the cornerbacks more and kind of, you know, helping the safeties more with that talented cornerback play. You know, a guy like JC Jackson is on the free agent mark. I know that's a guy that's kind of exciting to think about. Um, there are other guys obviously as well, but um, Brian, I wanted your, t- uh, wanted your thoughts on this because, you know, right now we know we have Legereus Need and Rashad Fenton on the roster. Those are really two legit cornerbacks. You know, how do you feel about, you know, instead of, you know, maybe if, if we can't get that safety talent, that high end safety talent, you know, trying to get more, cornerback help instead of you know instead of getting high-end safety help what are your your thoughts the best way to spread these resources right now um okay so Matthew he's kind of one-of-one in terms of the way that he plays I think that's part of the reason why they're so okay with letting him test the market because the Chiefs realize we use this guy the right way and other teams teams that he's been on in the last six seven years haven't always done that so you know, see what you're worth to those teams and then come back to us type of situation. But if he is gone, you're not going to find another safety in free agency who does these things. And so I think there's a lot of logic to the idea that those who have listened to our show know the, the, the free, uh, the safety class in the draft from late first round, second round, third round is, is really nice. And there is some sound thinking to the idea of, okay, Matthew's gone. Let's spin big at corner. Get us a number one level type of guy. And then in the draft, we know we're going to find, you know, a, a solid starter, a guy who has a lot of potential, whether it be at pick 30 or, or 62. Um, I think when Veach talks about pockets and, and where these things talent, you know, falls, that does make a lot of sense. And I would feel really confident if that is the approach they go with. Cause I'm with you, Ron, as far as uh, I don't think Matthew's coming back. If he does, hopefully at, uh, you know, a, a reasonable price tag, but um. yeah, it'll, it'll have to be. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. I, I just think that you talk about Tyron's uniqueness. I don't think you can get kind of that unique style of play in the free agency market right now, but I do think you can talk yourself into betting on traits from one of these safety prospects. We've talked about a lot of these guys, like you mentioned, and, and it feels like there's even more guys that keep popping up. A Nick Cross from Maryland is a guy that we didn't, you know, it, it, you know, is, is kind of getting more and more traction after a good combine. But it makes you kind of wonder, do you just do you just kind of say, let's bet on a guy with traits in the in the draft class and then sign it, like I said, a JC Jackson or something, you know, a, a big time cornerback. You know, or you know, resign Charvarius Ward, which we will get into later. But Talon, I want your thoughts, obviously, on you know just how you you like you know what, just what we're talking about, and and even like a what we do with Legarius Sneed. I mean, I know that something that I think we've talked about maybe off air. Do you think about maybe moving Sneed back to safety, the position he played as senior year? You know, just maybe because he does have those strong safety traits, right? You know, playing well around the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, strong tackling ability, you know, overall athleticism, obviously. Um, I don't know. And then Juan Thornhill obviously is in the mix. You know, what are his strengths? I don't know. Just Talon, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the, the, how we're going to, how they could handle the safety position if Tyron Matthew isn't back? 
Yeah, and that's a big question too. Can Matthew still do those things at a Matthew, you know, style level? That's a great point. At some point, he's going to stop being, you know, the all pro level. So I think what you got to do is I don't know if you can find one guy, and I think you just got to find multiple guys. I think you know if you if you want to take the approach of bringing in a, an elite level one corner, and then you slide Snead in to, to cover the slot, and and you know, it's going to divvy up what Matthew did. To, to a few different guys, you know, on the back end, it's going to be one guy with that Matthew did. And then when he, when Matthew covered the slot, you put in another guy. I think it's just, you're just going to see a variety of guys. So I, I don't think there's one answer. I think you, you're going to have to kind of take multiple approaches to replace Matthew. And that's just how that goes when you replace a guy that wasn't all pro. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, I think the the genesis of why I don't think we'll see him in chief uniform is I just feel like a team is really going to value him. I don't know. And, and, that's why I just it's hard to believe. I know we heard the term around 10 million, around double digit salary. It's just I feel like he could demand more than that. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And if that's the case, you know, there is a better chance he's back in Kansas City. But, you know, I, I do want to also before we move on to our next thing, just like Juan Thornhill. I don't know. I, I do want to just talk this out real quick. Just I feel like, you know, I wrote I wrote about this in the article, how the Chiefs really need to focus on maybe finding a safety with deep safety traits, you know, be able to cover over the top and, and you know, make sure nothing gets over the top of him. I feel like the Chiefs have really struggled um, containing deep passes. Uh, you know, I feel like it's a very obvious thing, you know, plays like the Juan Thornhill, uh, letting Gabe Davis get over the top of him in the AFC Divisional round come to mind. You know, Dan Sorensen, the multiple times he blew a coverage and in, in too high, you know, a cover two look. It's just, you know, you, you almost – you almost think like, hey, if it's a lot of too high stuff, it'd almost be easier for the safeties. And still, they, there's still sometimes these these lapses. They could really use a player that has a lot more deep safety coverage instincts. I don't know, Brian. Is Juan Thornhill that kind of guy? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like maybe he does just he might be better as more of a guy that plays you know downhill more close to the line of scrimmage. I feel like he has gotten a better tackler. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they use him more as a free safety with Tyron Matthew there. What are your thoughts on what Thornhill? You know how his role could evolve there's versatility there to me I, th I think there is the potential to be kind of interchangeable in his role as far as single high deep or rolling him down you know you think back to his rookie year and and the pick six he had against the Raiders off of Derek Carr at Arrowhead right that was a situation where he was kind of rolled up more into uh into a strong safety type alignment but no, I, that's the beauty of what Juan could be and what he kind of looked like he was going to be prior to that ACL injury was the physical traits were there. He was showing the play speed, you know, the mental capacity to to do kind of whatever they wanted him to do. And so more than anything with Juan right now, I think it's just getting him back into a mindset where he's confident in his abilities. He understands that he can still be the guy that he used to be because last couple of years, it's just been way too much of that uh, hesitation. You know, his approach hasn't been confident on the field. And I think if he finds that he can do pretty much whatever they want him to do. Yeah. He's going to be a pivotal piece, obviously. Cause I mean, he's, he's the best safety they have. Um, and, and right now it looks like, you know, he's going to be having to play the biggest role out of the safeties. And like we've mentioned, Spagnola is really dependent on the safety. So, It'll be interesting. We'll see how they handle the cornerback position. If there are some big names they sign, um, you know, or we see a big swing in the draft. So I think that's where we're going to be able to get into our little segment we got planned. So here's a break. We're going to go to break here on the other side. We're going to get into a lot of talk about, you know, 
specific moves the Chiefs could make uh, here on the AP Draft Room Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back in here on the AP Draft Room podcast, talking all things off season, we got free agency to preview coming up this week. We could see some really big moves, and that's what we're going to start off with, with here. We got a little segment here planned where we're going to throw out some names. We're going to throw out some possible names to sign as a free agent, to trade for, or to draft pretty high. When we, when, depending on you know, it's all going to be relative names in terms of what the the cost is. If it's a big free agent sign, it's also going to be a first round pick target. And we're going to start with the edge rusher position. We're going to, we're, I'm going to name three guys, and I want your guys' opinions on whether you would sign Chandler Jones, edge rusher from Arizona, trade for Demarcus Lawrence, who's the the unhappy Cowboys edge rusher, or you know maybe not unhappy, but the Cowboys seem to be wanting to trade him, or dra- uh, draft George Karloftis, the Purdue edge rusher that does seem to be slipping in mock drafts, um, could be an available target at pick 30. So Chandler Jones probably going to demand high end money, right? Demarcus Lawrence has about, uh, I think, roughly 19 million per uh, year in the next two years on his contract. Knowing all that, Talon, who would you uh, go with? Uh, sign Chandler Jones, trade for Demarcus Lawrence, or draft George Karloftis? What's your opinion? I am going to sign Chandler Jones. Um, yes. And the reason for that is, you we uh, the Chiefs need immediate impact at the edge rushing position at the defensive end position. Uh, and, and that's Chandler Jones. He's going to provide that. He's going to come in day will, <coughs> excuse me, day one and be the best pass rusher on your team. Uh, and that's with Frank Clark there or not. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think, you know, and recently he came out and said that he, he's driven by who's going to maximize his talents is what he said. Uh, he's not driven by rings necessarily. He's got one of those. Um, he's not driven by money. He, he wants to go somewhere where they're going to make him the best possible football player he can be. Um, and, you know, if the Chiefs can pitch that and if they can sell that, then I think that would be a great fit. And Chandler Jones uh, would would be, I think, the, the, the splash move that everybody's been waiting for. Chandler Jones was coached by Brandon Daly in New England for two years. One of those years he was a pro bowler with, I think it was like 12 sacks. So just something to think about, Brian. Uh, when you think those three options, yeah. who are you thinking? I'm uh, I, I hate to do this, but I. I I don't want it to become repetitive, but I definitely <laughs> And it's not it's not that close in this particular case because, okay, Lawrence, if I'm trading for him, I know it's probably not going to cost much, but I already think Chandler's a better player, and I think that their cap hits are going to be pretty similar. Um, and then Karloftis, I think I just would rather get this edge spot filled with a, as Talon alluded to, a very sure thing, someone who's – going to be the best pass rusher, the best edge rusher on your team. And then I can take care of another need with that, that top pick uh, ideally. But Jones, man, he, it's the age and the injuries that you worry about, but if he's healthy, he is going to, I think still give you at least another season of top five 
pass rushing type play. You know, he he can get 10 sacks, no problem, maybe 15. Uh, and that's that's what the Chiefs need. They need more guys finishing on the quarterback, these guys who are tough to tackle like like Allen and, and Burrow and so forth. So definitely I'm going with Jones on that one. Chandler Jones is one of the most underrated edge rushers of all time, honestly. His his resume, I mean, he's a, he is a Hall of Fame resume. Um, he's had double-digit sacks basically every year he's played the entire season. He's had some injuries that have, have prevented him at times. So what if I switch this up, fellas? What if I went instead of trading for Demarcus Lawrence? What if I said trade for Daniel Hunter, the Minnesota Vikings edge rusher? Um, I'm looking at his contract right now. He has a roster bonus of $18.5 million due uh, in 2022, so his cap at this year would be ginormous. But then next year, he has two, he has two years remaining on his deal. His 2023 cap it would be $8.6 million. Daniel Hunter, you know, he's he's still pretty young, 27 years old as of today. Uh, Talon, what are you thinking about if I switch that up? Would you? St- what are your? What is your thoughts on? Uh, you know, would you maybe consider Hunter for a trade more? Uh, yeah. Um, I think in that instance, age would kind of play into a factor. I mean, he's five years younger. Um, but you know, injuries. I Hunter's dealt with his his fair share of injuries, right? He hadn't been healthy yep. his, you know, his career, so I, you know, that's a factor as well. But man, yeah, if, if that that if. If Hunter were, were to stay healthy, I, I think he gives you uh, a more long term answer at the at the at the position. Um, so yeah, that would that would definitely cause me to go back to the chalkboard. Um, I'm probably going to stick with Jones though, just just because I, I think he would be a little bit more of a an impact player. What edge rusher in the draft would it take to to sway you guys to go in the draft instead of one of these options? Uh, if Ojabo fell, I think that would that would be worth it. Um, or uh, or maybe Jermaine Johnson. Agreed, agreed on those two right there. And I would think about. Um, I know that he's probably going to be there, and he's more raw. But you know, if they were to sign another veteran defensive end, say they bring Melvin Ingram back, or maybe it's Emmanuel Ogba then I could definitely get on board with like drafting Boye Mafe at 30 and, oh, yeah. and not going after one of the big ticket types. But um, it would take a situation like that. You know, I don't, I don't want to enter the draft feeling like they have to take uh, a defensive end. Not at all. Yeah. And they, and the chiefs usually put themselves in a good position to not have to draft for a starting need in the draft. Um, but you know, that, that's not always possible. You can't always do that, um, but we'll see what they do. I want your guys' opinion on this next one, wide receiver position. A guy that obviously Chiefs fans are used to talking about possibly signing. Sign Juju Smith-Schuster. Trade for Tyler Lockett. Seattle, you know, looks like they might be rebuilding. DK Metcalf could also be in this conversation, um, but I think Tyler Lockett's a little more realistic. We'll talk about that. Or draft George Pickens. The Georgia receiver kind of got hot after he, he had a pretty nice combine at his size. Uh, 6'3", 195, ran a 4'4", 740. Um, looks like they have a bigger frame to fill out a little more, too. Um, boys, Brian, what are you thinking on this one? Are, do you have a strong opinion on which option you go here? Number one, I'm going to narrowly go with Pickens under the assumption Ooh. under the assumption that they have just really spent big on defense and free agency, and so we can, we can go receiver at 30, no problem. Um, 
but I but I like the Juju option too because kind of like we were talking about with the Cooper situation earlier, I think Juju fits right in as somebody who will take accept that role as a number three and like use it to the fullest. He will be a chain moving type receiver that they need, and he he also has shown in the past he can take the ball. 90 plus yards you know yeah. he's got the top end gear too so it's not that he just a, a short possession type but i'm gonna go with pickens though first there like i said thinking that they will spend on defense free agency town what are you thinking on that one yeah um i uh, i'm gonna go juju i'm gonna sign juju i think he's gonna uh, yeah um I mean, the idea of Pickens and, and a rookie guy behind Hill and Kelsey is really intriguing. I think Pickens would be really electric in that offense. Um, but yeah, for me, I think I want to be safer with, with that with that with this scenario and, and and just go Juju. And we know what he provides. We we're, it's almost you can almost see what Juju would be like in the sheet. Like we don't even we're not going to be surprised by anything. We it's almost just like yeah, we know exactly what that would look like. So. I, I, I'm going to go with Juju and, and bring him in. Let's give the Chiefs a true wide receiver too. Someone they rely on. Keep McCole Harmon in, in, in the role that they found for him with the jet sweeps and the little, you know, what, whatever they like to do with him. So I, I think Juju would, would really be a, a, the greatest missing piece to this offense that they've signed. Really, I think he'd be more impactful than Sammy. Ooh, I like that. Oh, yeah. No, I am kind of excited to see what Juju could be in the offense. I feel like, I don't know, I almost, in my head almost, and I think a lot of people said it's almost like a, a sure thing almost that he'll come this year just because you feel like last year he almost got proved wrong why he you shouldn't have probably re-signed with Pittsburgh and, and why he would have made sense. And I also do think Brett Veach could sell him on the fact that, hey, this fan base loved Sammy Watkins because he was that guy besides Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill to make plays, and you could be that guy again for them, and, and you could be the missing piece, and everyone will love you because – you know, you may not be the primary guy, but you're the, the kind of that missing piece of just like you're saying, talent. And you also mentioned the McCole Hardman role. That's why I don't think Tyler Lockett would make a lot of sense, uh, honestly. I do, I do think you'd kind of be having the same, a similar role. And he actually is owed $17 million over the next two years, uh, Tyler Lockett, in terms of a cap hit. So I don't know if it would be worth it. DK Metcalf, though, if he was actually in the conversation, fellas, I mean, you'd have to look long and hard at what the deal would be, obviously. Because he is a guy that definitely, when his rookie contract is up, can, can demand you know top receiver money. Um, he can definitely ask for it at least. But it is interesting. I like George Pickens a lot. I like George Pickens. Is there any uh, you know, let's say, is there any other receiver guys? I mean, like you know, uh, in the first round. I mean, I know, like Garrett Wilson. I feel like is not really maybe attainable. At the same time, he could be. Um, I don't know any receiver. Uh, talent that would sway you and going with them instead of signing juju i mean if wilson fell i think you got to pull that trigger for sure yeah um other than that no not really um i guess if Traylon burks is is tumbling and he's sitting there i think you've got to take a long hard look at that one um uh, and drake london as well i think those three london wilson and, and um uh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. the third. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Garrett Wilson, exactly. Yeah. What about Watson? In the first, I don't know if I'm ready to put it's him good. as a first round pick. I, I like it. I don't think he's going to be there when the Chiefs take in the second. I think he goes like somewhere in the forty range, forty to fifty. Um, but yeah, thirty, I think, is a little too rich for me at this point. 
Christian Watson, the North Dakota State receiver, you're talking about, Brian. And you're right. He is starting to get that talk that you might have to take him at 30. I think it was Matt Miller that had him going 30 to the Chiefs uh, recently in a mock draft. Um, I hope I didn't get that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. No, uh, you're so, right. Yeah? Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> we like to be right here on the AP Draft Room podcast. So, uh, you know, I, I want to go to this next one, too. We're talking defense. You know, defense is important. Um, defensive tackle. Next to Chris Jones, we're losing Derek Naughty and Jaron Reed to free agency. Potentially, obviously, they could resign. I think Reed kind of feels like he's gone. Naughty could resign, obviously, but they still, you know, the, the signing of Reed last year was an attempt at getting him a little more playmaking at defensive tackle next to Chris Jones. They may try to do that again, right? And I think one guy we all kind of thought maybe free agent wise that might be interesting is Sebastian Joseph Day, the Rams defensive tackle. I'm going to start with him signing him, trading for Fletcher Cox. Who the Eagles defensive tackle, obviously, uh, you know, Pete Sweeney tweeted about it. And it, it's a good reminder that Brett Beach actually stood on the table and wanted to draft uh, Cox and Andy Reid's last year in Philadelphia. And they did. And it worked out pretty good. So would you rather trade for him, sign Sebastian Joseph Day, or draft a guy like, I don't know, Devontae Wyatt might be a stretch right now, guys, the Georgia defensive tackle. But I think we said Travis Jones, maybe, uh, you know, the UConn defensive tackle, maybe as a second round pick. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on? You know, should is there a chance that you, that you'd like them to take a swing, like I was kind of mentioning with the trading for Fletcher Cox, defensive tackle, or signing a guy like Sebastian Joseph Day? What do you think? Yeah, this might be the toughest one yet because I really like all those. And man, if if the Cox trade is for like what I would consider fair value, you know, he's he's in his thirties now, his salary not cheap. You know, if if it's a third round pick at best you could sign me up for that for sure i think watching him and chris jones even if it's just for a year or two would be incredible but um i'm actually going to pick travis jones and this is just my way Ooh. of saying he's somebody i really like and and um i think he is going to become a better nfl pro player than you know he was perceived in college he's got that grown man type strength that you can't teach these guys really you know it's in his dna and i think he could come to kansas city they've got good coaches on staff um even at the senior bowl he was already flashing some really impressive moves and some power in the one-on-ones and i think it's just a matter of teaching him how to sequence those um within his game he's already a really really good run defender so i think he could become not fletcher cox but a young, really, really good defensive tackle in the system that you're going to have for at least four years and and possibly way longer than that. So I'm taking Travis Jones. I like that, man. I like that. I like that pick, Talon. What are your thoughts on on Brian's answer? It would be interesting to see three Jones along the defensive line if they get Chandler, <laughs> Travis, and Chris. That would be that would Love be kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a dream, <laughs> right? Um. Now I think I'm I, I I think I'm gonna go Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, he's an intriguing dude. He he played a couple you know productive years. He he was hurt last season quite a bit I think. Um, but you know playing with Aaron Donald will make a lot of people look good. But um but you know Ashawn Robinson came to town and and they they drafted some defensive tackles and defensive linemen that that have just kind of seemed to push Joseph Day out out and. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with him as a player in terms of what he can bring. I do. I think, you know, honestly, this is the first I've really even thought about putting him with the chiefs and signing him. And 
I, I'm I'm falling in love with this as I'm talking, and uh, and I really do think that put, putting him with Chris Jones, what he brings to the table, and um and 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 his pass rush ability with his size, and he's a really good run stuffer as well. Um, and 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 obviously we saw what he does with an elite player like Donald. He'd be he'd be with an elite player and Chris Jones, and 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 obviously if he's one on one with interior offensive linemen, he's going to win those battles more often than not, and that that to me is is a winner. You hit on the big point there. I, I, you're right. You know, it is easy to look good with Aaron Donald, but it is also easy to look good with Chris Jones and and guys like that take advantage of those reps. And you know, you can't just you know you can't just sign you know uh, another Chris Jones, right? You got to find guys like that that can kind of do it maybe at a a low key level. Um, you know, I, I like Sebastian Justin Day. I would I would trade for Fletcher Cox. Though. Now here's the thing. He does have a $2 million cap hit next year, which is low, but there's a lot of dead cap. And I feel like Philly, you know, depending on what draft pick you're trying to give them, would obviously want you to would take some of that on. I'd be willing to take on uh, quite a bit of that dead cap, uh, you know, if it meant a lower draft pick, like a third or fourth round pick that it takes to get Fletcher Cox. Because, I mean, I don't know. That'd be really fun, man. Him and Chris Jones together. I think he still has some juice. And I just think they need to get some high-end defense to town. I wrote about it Saturday, but... You know, even if it means kind of sacrificing some depth somehow, you know, maybe I, I don't know how necessarily, you know, directly. But I just would we need not just the a unit paid like the highest uh, pass rushing unit or the, one of the most effective, actually playing like one of the most effective. And if that means overpaying for a guy like, you know, Fletcher Cox, who's a potential Hall of Famer, potentially, you know, that might be a stretch a little bit. But he is really good. You know, all pro, obviously, back in the day. So it is interesting. But I'm going to go back to offense here. Brian, I want your opinion. We'll start here. I kind of mentioned some guys at right tackle potentially um, signing like a Morgan Moses or a Bobby Massey. But one guy we didn't talk about that's that sounds like he's on the market is Lael Collins, the Cowboys right tackle. Um, or drafting a guy in the first round potentially at right tackle. I don't know. How tempted are you to maybe say, hey, if we get a guy like Lael Collins and kind of solidify the line like that, he has a $15 million cap hit next year. How tempted are you to do that rather than maybe signing a, a veteran or drafting somebody potentially? Um, it's very, very um, exciting prospect as far as Collins. Um, I was, we were on Twitter interacting yesterday and I actually, you know, reviewing him in years past, I see a lot of similarities between the way him and Brown play. They're both, I would say better run blockers than pass blockers, but very capable in pass protection uh, he would be he would be the missing piece that makes you say that's the best offensive line in the NFL bar none. Um, I believe it would come with a ten million dollar cap hit. That's oh, yeah. for 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 the level of player you're getting. I think that's more than okay um, and fair. So I, I don't have a problem with that. And as you mentioned, this division, I mean, they're going to bring it to that right tackle every single time. And and the other teams in the AFC that compete, you know, they can do that too. That being said, I don't know if I'm making the move just because I would I would fear a little bit that it would take away from some other areas. You know, is that $10 million in cap space what would have been your wide receiver too? It, those yeah. are the nuance that you have to consider. But if there's a way to make it work, I think that is the best possible solution at right tackle this offseason. Um but I also don't think it's something they have to do. I think they can get by with some other guys. It's just a matter of making the financial pieces fit together the right way. So you're right. 
uh, Brian. It is ten million. It actually be a th- it's three years, thirty million, and actually none of it's guaranteed. Apparently, uh, look according to Spot Track right here, uh, ten million the next three seasons. Town, when you hear that, is there any? It, it is temptation, right? We're all tempted, um, but how strongly have a temptation compared to maybe just trying to you know sign somebody you know to a, l- a lesser deal? I mean, I think it really just uh, comes down to how worried truly are we about these new pass rushing duos that the chiefs are going to be facing if it's if it if that really does projectile you know the, the right tie the right tackle need and, and beach sees this is all right we, we need to counteract this now then yeah go get comments pull that trigger because that's that's a heck of a deal you're not going to find a better deal than that um and and yeah 10 million a year could be put somewhere else when you have you might have the answer in house already um but you know if Again, it just how where's the what what level are we in? Are we orange? Are we red? Are we yellow? How worried are we about Crosby and Max and or Max, uh, Mac and, and yeah, are we yeah. are we truly that worried or, or, or are we okay with what we're gonna have? If it's me, I, I, I would I, I would be I would be in, I, I'm intrigued enough to say I want to see Leo Collins with the Chiefs. Yes. I know it would be like when Brian said like best offensive line in the NFL. I mean, it is exciting to when you say it like that, like it would, I mean, we're already kind of thinking of it like that, but when you solidify right tackle too with the guy that, you know, matches the style of the other guys they've been signing and and getting in there. I mean, it is exciting. You know, another guy in the draft, you know, we've we've been throwing out draft options as well. I like a guy like from uh, central Michigan, Bernard Raymond. Um, I I think he's kind of, uh, you know, it seems like he's just going to be a really solid pro. You know, it might be a guy that just you can kind of plug in right tackle nearly right away. Maybe not right away, but, you know, he was a college left tackle. Um, but I, I feel like he could switch over. Another guy, shout out just because I'm thinking about him, Tyler Smith from Tulsa. That dude's a monster and, uh, you know, just an animal. And when he plays, and I feel like he might be a guard in the NFL, maybe potentially just because, you know, it, it does take a lot of technique to be a tackle. And, you know, he is a raw prospect. But he also could be kind of that right tackle that you can kind of depend on to just, you know, uh, clear a lane for your off tackle uh you know off tackle runs outside zone runs all that kind of stuff so a few more here i want to get you guys opinion brian was actually the one that created this one so we're going to talk about re-signing jarvarius ward you know roughly 10 million a year so you resign him you draft kyer elam the florida cornerback we've talked about him on this podcast before or would you trade a day three pick for miami the former first round pick the miami cornerback noah igbenogany Brian, I'll let you go first since this is your uh, your one. What what do you think on this one? Uh, a bit off more than I could chew. I I struggle with this one too. I think I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Elam. Yeah, I, I actually was I was going to go Kyrie Elam as well. Um, so just yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. Go ahead. Kind of like I already have a little buyer's remorse just thinking about it, but for Ward, you know. He, you know what you're getting, but I think you also – that's a blessing and a curse because you know you're getting a solid starting corner, but are you getting the type of player who you need to be paying $10 million a year to on your cap? And it's only, a you know, maybe a three-year deal, four-year tops. Um, you're not going to spread that money out very well. I don't know that he's that guy. I don't know that he – if I'm going to spend that much, I might as well go out and get – a guy I think is a true number one in this market. Uh, that's my opinion. So with Elam, I think you're getting the athletic traits that could become 
a number one type corner in the outside. And, and so um, I roll the dice there at 30. I think the potential is within him and it's just a matter of you know, coaching him up and keeping him healthy and seeing what happens from there. Yeah. I, I, I said it on the pod, I believe before, but I, I think when I watched Kyrie William, I actually kind of saw some of the things that I liked about Trevor's ward in him. And so when I think about that, I just say, well, why not just take that guy? You know, it's less money. Obviously, you're you're, you're not having to sign him to a big deal. It's a first round pick. You got, you know, you have him under for five year control if he is a good enough player. Um, but Talon, when you heard that, you know, is a reunion with Charvarius Ward something you'd rather do? Or I mean, I don't know. We didn't talk about Noah Benogany. Is that a possibility there for you? Uh, in this instance, I'm going to go ahead and bring Ward back. Um, there you go. Familiarity can go a long way, and um, yes, and. And yeah, having a, a young cornerback on a rookie deal, it, that is enticing, right? A first round talent as a rookie. And, um, you know, the Chiefs haven't had that since Marcus Peters, really. Um, so that is enticing to think about. But uh, I think bringing back Ward for me is 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 the, the topper here, just because um, I don't know if 30 is worth a cornerback slot. I know uh, uh, before I, I even picked Kyler Gordon on one, one of our mock drafts. And um, if, if the right player is there, sure. Um, but I just think at, at this point, there's other needs to, to, to throw that first round pick at. And um, the cornerback room or the cornerback group is deep enough in this draft where you can get a day two pick and, and he's going to come in and probably compete. Um, so, yeah. So for me, I, I like Ward, you know, and I, I like knowing what you're getting and um, yeah, knowing his limitations is going to go, you know, that, just knowing who he is, right? He's been with the Chiefs for a long time, and um, he, he's just one of the guys. And he—it's just—it's a fit. It's—it's it's familiar. Yeah, no, I—I I think a guy like Spagnuolo values that. A guy like Andy Reid values, you know, familiarity, and it might be why they, you know, really try to hold out and see if Tyron will come back. But we'll see on that. Um, you know, and and another one, you know, when we were talking about, you know, possibly trading for Noah Igbenogany, the former first-round pick. You know, he was known for kind of, you know, his man coverage abilities. You know, it's kind of a surprise first-round pick. He hasn't really worked out with Miami. You, But this is a Brett Beach special, right? Uh, you know, he trades late-round picks for former first-round talents. Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker obviously wasn't a trade, but he was a former first-round pick they signed. It's interesting. You know, I just like that Brian uh, picked that out. But, you know, I'm definitely I, – I would say Kyrie Elam. I was with Brian there. Last one here doesn't involve a trade scenario. So it's one or the other. I'm going to put you on the spot. Brian, I know my answer on this one, but let's say Landon Collins, which I believe is, he is cut and is a free agent right now. Um, Landon Collins, a possibility at safety, or would you rather draft Lewis Seen, or just maybe your just potential favorite safety at the number thirty? Um, what is your what are you thinking there, Brian? Would you rather sign Landon Collins or draft a safety in the first round? I'm definitely going draft. I think that Collins at this point in his career the most you can expect of him is to replace the role that Sorensen had. And I do think he would do that. And I think he would do it better than Sorensen did. Um, you know, people are laughing probably, you know, high bar to clear, but um, <laughs> that's what you can ask him. On the other hand, Lewis seen or Jaquan Brisker or, you know, uh, Jalen Petrie, these safeties that we talk about, those are players you're going to bring in and expect to be in your base starting package basically on the field 100% of the time and develop into potential pro bowl caliber players. Um, and we've already kind of talked about, you know, you, you could fill your front seven up pretty good in free agency and then get to the draft and 
and take one of those safeties and feel really, really nice about that. So I think that one for me is, is clear cut. Um, but Collins does could have some value in that role that I just outlined for him. I think. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, Lewis seen, he's going to end up being my guy. I, I just already know. Um, but Talon, you're talking about those two guys. What are you thinking? Yeah. Um, I think Landon Collins, what he's going to bring you, I think he might even Daniel Sorensen role definitely would be something he could do. But I think even that third linebacker role um, and, and passing downs and uh, Dorno Daniel type of role, you know, almost a full linebacker um, for, for Lenny Collins. I think that might be more of his speed at this point in his career, but yeah, draft wise, man, um, dude, yeah. The prospect of Lewis scene or, or Daxton Hill. I know we've talked a lot about him. Um, yep. Yeah. Th- there's a lot of fun safeties in this group, man. And rather it be that round one or round two, I think either one of those would, those picks are going to be fun because that group of safeties, they offer so many different traits, even late. Like we, we talked about finding a guy that can uh, cover deep Ron McKinley out of, uh, out of Oregon yeah. could be a guy that you, you draft late and he comes in, he's just your deep safety guy. Like he's, he's, cause that's, that's his skill. Um, a lot of these safeties in this, in this draft are, are you know, uh, capable of playing around the box and, 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 and good and run coverage. But McKinley is that guy that he's a true pass cover safety in this, in this draft. And there's not a whole lot of those in this, in this draft. So I think he's a late round um, guy to keep an eye on too. You know, that's a great point. I do think you definitely have a lot more guys that you feel comfortable around the line of scrimmage more than, than deep um, in your, in your cover one, cover two looks um, covering over the top vertical routes. I like that call on that. Um, but the safety class is exciting. This whole process is exciting, guys. We're in we're in the beginning of the free agency period. The draft is just heating up as well. We're going to be covering that free agency period hard at arrowheadpride.com. You're going to be seeing articles from all of us, uh, you know, here on the pod, but also, you know, all the staff writers, the the great guys we have in the AP Army, reviewing possible signings, uh, obviously reacting to maybe even some trades. We'll see what happens. But after that kind of dies down, Everyone should be expecting a lot from here, uh, from us here on the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room Podcast. We've been getting some individual reviews in, some guys, like I said, like, like a Lewis scene. I think you're, you're going to be seeing a, an individual review of him at some point this offseason. From yours truly, I am really, you know, liking what I see from him. Just going to call it out right there. You'll see your guy, you know, Talon and Brian will pick their guys as well. So it's an exciting time. NFL offseason is always fun. Thank you for joining us here today on the AP Draft Room Podcast. I'm going to sign off here. My name's Ron for Talon for Brian. Appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.